Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello, listeners. Rob Howe here uh, in a very rare one-on-one conversation between me and you. I'm very excited to introduce this special episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, I'm going to be introducing you to Dr. Nicole Johnson, who serves as JDRF's Director of Mission and has become a great friend of mine uh, in diabetes over the past year. If you've never had a chance to meet Nicole, I'd thoroughly encourage you to get to the next JDRF Type 1 Nation event where she's speaking. That's where I met her, and I've had the pleasure of bumping into her at other diabetes events as well. But she's awesome. Uh, Her story is super empowering, and I think she can, at least from my perspective, she can bring a lot of things into focus over the last 25 to 30 years of diabetes, whereas I really only had the last 15 She and I sat down at her conference, Students with Diabetes, earlier this summer in Florida to talk a little bit about her life with diabetes, which includes being crowned Miss America in 1999, her work with JDRF, and what an exciting time it is to live with T1D because of the community. I want to say big thanks to Nicole and her team by making this possible and for hosting me at Students with Diabetes, and I hope you all enjoy this great chat with Dr. Nicole Johnson. And also a disclaimer, this episode has some background noise as we were trying something new and recorded it at the event during teardown and set up in a big ballroom. So bear with me uh, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are the rare episode that we are live and on location at uh, the yeah. Students with Diabetes Conference. My very special guest today is Dr. Nicole Johnson. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Thanks, Rob. Super excited that uh, that you had me here at the conference and that we were able to talk. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to dig in and kind of learn a little bit more about you and all the awesome stuff that you're doing uh, yeah. for JDRF and otherwise. I'm delighted to talk about it and you know my main purpose in this diabetes world in this diabetes space is to encourage people to live their dream and to pursue goals and not to have any kind of preconceived notions about what they can and cannot do um, because anything's possible as long as we're moving forward and and that's the whole purpose of this conference and the whole purpose of the work that I do at JDRF as well. Well, and I think you sort of embody that mission mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, you know, I know that's your, your purpose. And um, we've talked a lot about purpose and a lot about mission and a lot about taking those steps here at the conference. Um, for you, let's kind of start at the beginning with, with diabetes. I've heard your story sort of at, uh, you know, events as part of your you know, keynote speeches. But kind of take us through, you know, what day one with diabetes was like and even leading up to that was like for you. Yeah, well, I was 19 years old and a sophomore in college when I was eventually diagnosed with type 1. Um, as we look back, you know, you reflect and hindsight's twenty twenty. but at the time I had no idea how to piece and string things together. But I had been very unwell for a long time. And I say that because I don't 
I don't know exactly what was causing the situation of me being unwell. It could have been a virus. It could have been a, a whole array of other factors, but the end result was type one. Um, so I was misdiagnosed several times prior to eventually learning um, that I had type one. Uh, so I kept on living life and doing things, which, you know, is, is good, but it turned out to be relatively dangerous for me. So at the end of the day, um, I was on a stage performing. That was what I was interested in and most um, excited about at that time in my life. I was in my first Miss America preliminary competition. I passed out on stage um, and was very, very sick. Shouldn't have been there, but I was so determined. I was going to see it through. I was going to see what could be, right? And basically, I, was, I, I also knew that there was a prize at the end. I needed scholarship money because I was in college and I was paying for college on my own. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I was sick and I didn't win that competition. They named me as a runner-up and I passed out and they took me to the emergency room. Um, so that was your prize, getting to yes. go to the hospital? Yeah. Um, you know, and which a fascinating perspective is that I probably was given the greatest gift I could have ever been given um, that day. Going to the hospital, um, having them look into what was going on with me. It had been speculated that I had the flu. It had been speculated that I had um, uh, appendicitis, uh, you know, all kinds of things, but those, none of those were true. So I was admitted to the hospital, given insulin. My blood sugar was over 500 when I was diagnosed. Um, and the next day when I was a little more cogent, a little more able to um, understand what was going on because I had received the miracle drug of insulin, right? The healthcare team came in and started to talk to me about my future. And that's when things really started to hit me and really, in many ways, fall apart. And, and I think a lot of us experience, you know, those first few moments with diabetes, you know, talking with a diabetes educator or just with a physician. And, you know, sometimes it's not the prettiest picture that they paint for you. Right. Is, that, is that sort of what That's you experience? That's exactly what happened to me. You know, I'll never forget it. And it replays in my mind, you know, like a movie scene so often. You know, the healthcare team came in. There were several members on the team. Uh, you know, and I remember I'm in the white hospital room, the white bed, the silver rails down the side, you know, laying down. And they started to talk to me about what what is your life you know and they asked me what I was involved in so my eyes brightened up I said oh I'm in college I'm excited to be a college student no woman in my family has finished college to this point I'm gonna be the first one and they immediately said you're gonna have to drop out uh, you have type 1 diabetes you're not gonna be smart enough to finish um, blood sugar changes are gonna affect your brain and I, I waves of devastation as you can imagine like rushing over you happened and, and and so I processed it for a minute and of course right on the heels of that they said hey what do you want to be and I said oh well I want to be a journalist I'm studying journalism and communications I want to tell stories I want to write immediately the healthcare team says no you cannot be a journalist journalists don't eat lunch at the same time every day now remember this is 25 years ago and so the prescriptive therapy for dealing with type 1 at that time was you eat breakfast at 7 we eat lunch at 12 you eat dinner at 5 to 6 and um, don't don't miss a meal if you want to live right? yeah that was don't deal. mess with it because you're on injections and that is that right so I've been told I'm not gonna be smart I've been told I cannot have a meaningful career. And they say to me, oh, hey, by, 
were you in a pageant last night? And I go, yeah. And if you wouldn't have helped me last week when I was here, I would have won. I was a runner-up and I'm this sick. <laughs> and they start laughing, you know, and I, but I was totally serious. So as you can tell, I'm still in this moment not believing that my life is going to be different yet. They go, you can't ever be in a competition again. You can't handle a stressful environment. You should not do it. And all of a sudden, I'm crushed again, right? Okay, I'm not smart. I'm not going to be able to have a career. I cannot be in a stressful environment. What can I do? Nothing. To, that's what it sounded like to me. Right. So the team leaves the room. My parents leave the room. And I sit there and I start thinking about it. And that's when the darkness entered my mind and my heart and my soul and I'm it's just starting to process that you are going to be nothing that was my interpretation well and I think I think for them to lead with that like oh by the way now that you know that you're not going to be smart uh, what do you want to do with your life now that you know that this is what's out there for you and it sounds completely insane I I mean but it, it legitimately happened like that in fact it actually got worse they came back into the hospital room and they said so we need to talk about one more thing and i'm like what's the one more thing Are you yeah what me? could be waiting behind yeah. this door right? yeah and my parents are crying um they say hey you know we need to talk about family planning and i was like wait we we can't have a sex talk right now this is not not okay and they go you're you're never going to be able to have children oh like final blow right and, um, and they left. And that's, I left the hospital with that information. With no, no chance for family, no chance for to be smart, mm-hmm. no chance to have the career that you wanted, no mm-hmm. chance to pursue what you were currently pursuing and, and succeeding at. Yeah, so I drop out of college. I moved back home into my bedroom at my mom and dad's house. I got a job as a secretary in a bank. I mean... Because I was raised, my family grew up, uh, we believe what the doctors tell you, right? And so I continued that therapy for a couple of months until I went, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to have to try something. And this is, I think, a critical, (laughs) I really want to focus on this because, you know, now you are, you know, JDS Director of Mission. um, And, you know, I think a lot of us have been in those positions uh, as T1Ds uh, we listen to the doctor. That's yes. I think that's a that's a common thing. I think even for so, myself, like, I don't question the doctor as my first response right. because I feel like they have my best interests at heart. And they why would they lie to me or why would they tell me something that they are not one hundred percent sure of? I think that's just maybe human nature. In, in exactly. Some way. So I mean, obviously, you continued on. I mean, you are Miss America. Yeah. When you know, how did you and your family make that decision? We're like, hey, we're gonna push back against this a bit. Well, you know, unfortunately, we we didn't have the opportunity to learn about advocacy and self-advocacy at that moment so it happened organically for us my hope is that it happens more directly for people today you know as a result of this podcast knowing that you have a voice you have an opportunity to challenge um, what our perceptions of others right no one can ever tell you you can't do something so for me I was slowly withering away as a human being, not physically, but just my mental health, my emotional health, all of it. I I was disappearing um, because I was spiraling in depression and, and just all of this negativity because I felt like I had no prospect. So I started to honestly claw my way out of the hole. And my way of clawing out was 
I'm going to try one thing. And so I enrolled back in college and um, finished the classes that I dropped out of, right? And I enrolled back into another semester. And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, wow, okay, I can do this. Right. And I have type 1 diabetes. And was it just like that discovery of like, oh, this isn't as different as I would have thought? Is yeah. that, uh, hey, you know, I think I have this management down. I can go continue to add things to my plate. You know, frankly, it was just deciding to take a step and move forward. I mean, that was the powerful aha thing. And so I did it slowly first with education. And then I thought, okay, they said I can't enter another pageant. Let me just do it. Let me, I mean, I didn't win the last time. Might as well just try, right? Yeah. I enter, I win. That didn't mean I went to Miss America. I mean, I, I did this enter and win local things okay. for about four or five years. Um, and it slowly built my confidence along the way that, okay, I have diabetes. Let me figure out how to communicate about it. Let me figure out how to take care of myself. Let me figure out how to goal set. And it made me into who I am today and to what I do. Well, and I think that's an important aspect to, to pick out of this, is, right? You jumped into a local competition uh, where, you know, it's the same, I, mean, I assume the same type of criteria, same type of judging criteria, where, you know, you're going to have the same demands on yes. you physically and yeah. emotionally, right? Uh, stakes might not be as high, but you're going into it saying, okay, if I can do this, I can probably do something else. So maybe taking a, something that's a bigger lofty goal and kind of breaking it down. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we seek to achieve the big, big, you know, kahuna, right? We're setting ourselves up for failure. I believe in setting a small, measurable, achievable goal, right? Something that you you can figure out the next steps to, accomplish it, and set another small goal. Because all kinds of small goals piled up on top of each other, you reach the big thing. We learned that um, here at this conference from various speakers talking about climbing Mount Everest, running marathons, running, you know, doing massive competitive events. It all starts with those first couple of steps and you just add them on top of each other and at the end, accomplishment awaits at the end. And that was true for me too. The, um, the thing that makes right now so exciting for people that have diabetes is that there's an openness about living with a disease or living with whatever it might be. Right. Um, and there are a lot of people willing to uh, talk about their failures, their journey, their struggles. 25 years ago when I was diagnosed, it took me years until I met someone else with type 1. Yep. And that contributed to some of the challenges that I had early on. I count um, the day that I really connected with my first peer who was like me, similar in age, trying to accomplish things professionally, that was the day my life turned around. <laughs> and how, how did you meet that person? Through JDRF, actually. I went um, on an advocacy visit in Washington, D.C., and I met another woman that was close in my age and saw her doing incredible things, and all of a sudden a light bulb just went off for me. It sounds really silly, and it's really obvious and should have happened before, but it was in that moment I went, okay, she's doing it. I can do what I need to do. And we became close friends and, uh, and remain so until now. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, you, you said it seems silly, but I think sometimes the most impactful, profound decisions that are more life-changing. We heard from Sebastian, uh, you know, last night here at the conference. Uh, we heard from other, you know, athletes and, um, you know, incredible speakers talking about 
you know, the sometimes they're the most obvious things in the world, but you making the decision is what's impactful. Yeah, it's a moment like when your heart is open to it, right? So we have to get to places as individually where we are willing to hear and see the gifts that the community can give to us. Um, and there, I, I always like to talk about how friends are medicine. So in isolation, we do worse, just as human beings. Yeah. But then with a disease like type one, our diabetes outcomes are, are worse if we are isolated. Social support is magic. Um, it leads to better A1Cs, better general diabetes care, a different outlook on life, feeling more connected. And that doesn't mean you have to be a social butterfly. Correct, yeah. It just means you, you have to have an openness and a willingness, and you have to work at it often. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm an introvert, so I work hard at this on a daily basis to connect with people and make sure that you're not living in a bubble. And all of a sudden, really wonderful things result. Well, I want to hold on. I want to hold on to that introvert comment for a, a brief moment because I want to. But I also want to reinforce what you talked about with the community and letting them in from a clinical perspective. Just as myself, my own example. Um, you know, very similar to you. It was probably 10 years into my journey with type 1 before I let myself open to other people with type 1. Mm -hmm. Not because I didn't want to, not because I, you know, felt like I was, you know, what it wasn't for me, but I was just doing other things. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I didn't want to be a burden to anyone. And the minute I started to share my story and become more open with the community, you know, I've, I've had better A1C, so my A1C was about 7.1 when mm -hmm. I started diabetics doing things, and since then it hasn't been over 6.3. Wow. And my life hasn't changed from, a, from my day to day. The only thing that's different is that I'm more open and I have a community of people willing to... And you're motivated yeah. through it, right? And, and, you know, it's not that I think that I have to have a good A1C for people to like me or um, a good A1C to set an example. I, I honestly make the same food decisions and I count the carbs the same and I test the same amount of times, but there's just something about not having to do it all myself. You know, a lot of times, if, if you're able to find a joyfulness in your existence, in your place in the world, regardless of the hand that you've been dealt, right, it can contribute to your overall health as well. Um, and, and I often like to think a lot about and talk a lot about in presentations gratitude, because I think that goes hand in hand with joyfulness. So um, I find it incredibly encouraging to reflect on you know my personal diabetes journey and the changes that I've seen in opportunities for therapy, care, technology, you know, drugs, philosophy, all of that in 25 years. So that builds my enduring gratefulness. Um, and, and I then take that attitude and approach to my world, right? To my child, to my family, to my job, to my place in the diabetes community. And then it all pays dividends back um, in the end to me as a human and as a person with type one and, and I think that's what we're talking about so people listening can you know using these these small little interventions that really you can control yourself taking a step every day um, figuring out how to find just one thing to be joyful about um, in the midst of challenge uh, and then finding ways to to express gratitude, whether it's gratitude that you express just 
in and of yourself, you know, maybe it's through faith and spirituality, maybe it's to others, uh, maybe it's to the medical system. All of these things help us. Well, and I think too, gratitude as a um, as a currency almost like they I, I think I heard um, I went on this very big kind of stoicism and meditation and mindfulness journey in the last year and a half or so and uh, the idea that gratitude with when gratitude exists no other emotion can take priority over that so fear anger hurt yes. depression all those things go away when you are grateful for those things and then you know another thing that I have to actively remind myself to do is where are my opportunities to bring the joy? Mm-hmm. Um, where are, if I look at my day and where can I insert joy here? Uh, instantly that situation is changed for the better, even if it wasn't bad to begin with. We're so speaking think, the same language, know, my friend. I'm, I'm all about this. this I so love great. this, yeah. Uh, and I think, um, I do want to go back a little bit oh, yeah. um, to your comment about being an introvert. Because yes. I think as Miss America, like you wouldn't assume no on the surface that doesn't seem it. like an, an introverted type activity. What, yeah. How did you have to overcome, you know, those internal battles to to go and win and make that dream a reality? Oh my gosh. So it's really hard, actually. Social environments are really hard for me. Um, and hopefully this is freeing to somebody. Um, I think so, a lot of people will relate to that. Yeah, I, I have to work hard at it. And I am great. I can be in social environments for a period of time, but then I have to retreat and kind of take care of myself and, and decompress, and then I can enter again. So um, it's funny. Uh, my significant other, he feeds off of social environments. I mean, he just could not get enough, right? I think but, it's obvious when you meet him. He's, like, he's so like just a, a bully. It's a riot, and it and it frees me a little bit sometimes because I need to pull back to just build my reserve, and then I can go and do it again. That's why people who you often see as performers or um, who excel at being on the stage, they actually are quiet people because they can pour it all into the performance or the speech or the whatever they're doing in a public way, and then they can retreat back, fill up, and pour it out again. And so that's what I learned to do. There's a little bit of a benefit and a deficit to that um, through the Miss America experience. Um, but it's it's been interesting to learn that about myself over the years. And um, probably one of the greatest gifts that I've given to myself is not beating myself up for it anymore. Because I used to let um, social anxiety uh, bring fear to me. And now I'm able to know my boundaries and set my boundaries and be able to move in and out of situations where I don't feel overwhelmed. That helps my diabetes also, which so that could sound completely weird, but to others, it's completely real. Well, I, I think for me, again, we're, we're just the synchronicity in our conversation and what we're the way we're looking at things like I'm my the only thing I came into the 2018 with was banish fear 2018 like it's not allowed mm-hmm. because it is a real thing I, I think when you're presenting yourself out to someone I think the instant human reaction is to judge yourself for whatever it is oh, yeah. and to hate it and, you know and for many performers and artists and uh, I think your first reaction is I hate what I just did right. and here are the reasons why it's terrible Right. Uh, and well, and you know, getting those out, I think, is so key to accomplishing whatever it is you're trying to work for. And, it, you know, actually all of these little stories that we're talking about all relate back to 
why I do all the things that I do in the young adult community. I love young adults um, because when I see them, I reflect back on being 19 and being diagnosed and feeling fearful, worried, um, entering into a depression, um, questioning why do I exist and should I exist, um, you know, contemplating all kinds of negative thoughts and then pulling myself out of the hole. So I look at faces of young people and see that, right? And I see the potential. Like if we can just encourage, love them, teach them some small skills to deal with challenge, build resilience, we're building a population and it's going to give to others in incredible ways. And that's what gets me excited. And so that, that's what makes me excited about what I'm able to do now at JDRF. And so I, I want to, I, I built up a, a line of, of three things uh, from your diagnosis story, right? Okay. The, the, the doctors told you that you're not going to be smart, mm -hmm. uh, that you're, you know, you can't do pageants, that you're, that's not an option anymore, and that you can't be a journalist, can't do what you want to do, can't chase your dream, right. um, and that you're not going to have a family. So um, I guess that's four things. But, um, <laughs> you know, so now you're, uh, you know, I would characterize some of what you do as like marketing, communication, journalism, al almost, yeah. right, as the director of mission. Yeah. And we're here at Students with Diabetes, and it's full of young people who are around the same age that you were when you were diagnosed. Um, why, why are they so important to the future of, of T1D? What is, because there's, I think, uh, at least in my experience, right, we do a great job at JDRF with the young kids and the newly diagnosed families. Like, that is our bread and butter. We, we just do an awesome job caring for them and giving them everything they need. Um, for you know a million different reasons it's harder for us to catch people who get diagnosed after the age of 15 yeah. on into adults um, and then you know sometimes there's not as many as many things but I think with YLC and things like students with diabetes mm -hmm. we're giving young people a chance to get attached to the community why is that you know so important to you well you know first and foremost building community is important for the people in the community. So, I mean, outside of any organization, um, we first must exist to help each other. And so that's my number one purpose and goal, right? You know, I have, I believe I have diabetes for a reason, and that reason is to pour into other people and let them know they're not alone, that they have potential, and that great things can happen, right? So that, um, that is the why. And then from the why, we move into the what and the how, um, is how I like to think it through. And, and so at JDRF, we're in the, in the middle of a really interesting evolution. So I joined the JDRF mission team, uh, working with Dr. Aaron Kowalski, who is such a guru and such an admired such figure. Such a cool guy. And I got to meet him last, uh, I guess this spring. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. Such a cool guy. I mean, you can't really get much cooler than him. Um, but so, so we work together and what I focus on is really thinking about the lived experience and the journey of life with diabetes. And um, I'm focused on thinking about adults with type 1 for JDRF. No one's ever done that in particular for the organization before. That's why I say we're at this really interesting evolution point. Um, and so we have made a strategic decision to wrap our arms around the young adult community in 2018. Um, and you know what? It's going to be other buckets of the adult community in years to come. But right now, this is the one we're wrapping our arms around. And I am so excited to tell you that um, actually the Students with Diabetes organization, it started in my research lab um, eight 
almost nine years ago, um, when I was working in the academic arena, it transitions uh, 100% to JDRF as of tomorrow. And we will drop the name Students with Diabetes. Um, and we're actually asking people at this event, and we'd love to know from the people on your podcast if they want to send in ideas. Um, it's easy to find me. Um, what do you want us to call the work that we do at JDRF for young adults? Because that's what we're wrestling with now. But we've got this multifaceted approach. And so in this young adult bucket, we're going to be doing national conference events like the one that we're at right now um, across the country. We'll do a couple each year. They may move around. Um, we're still deciding all of that. We're going to have a national internship program where JDRF collects um, young adults with type 1 and places them in paid positions for summer internships. So those are obviously college and graduate school students. It's not internships at JDRF per se. It's everywhere in diabetes, right. which is pretty awesome. We're partnering with other important diabetes organizations like College Diabetes Network, um, but also with professional organizations like the American College Health Association. Mm -hmm. And we are infusing places with information about type one where there was not information. So for instance, um, our relationship with the American College Health Association, um, they have 800 colleges in their membership. We're getting information about diagnosing type 1 diabetes and how to treat type 1 diabetes to all of those 800 colleges. They don't have it right now. This is an awesome, awesome thing. And we're just, so this is all about wrapping your arms around a community and doing something really interesting. And then of course, the last thing that we're looking through, we're working through right now in the young adult bucket is the young leadership committee and councils that we have that operate all across the country. This is potential, this is talent, young talent, um, individuals that are excited and interested in how they might give back to the community. We're re-envisioning, what does that look like? and what is best for that age group and helping them move forward in ways that they build the skills necessary so when they get into middle and later adulthood they are the leaders right. um, and are paying it forward then to the other next generations I think I think my favorite thing about all of that um, you know from the you know inner, putting the literature in the right hands for in, in the colleges in America to uh, investing in at a young age, I think they all have returns that are logarithmic. Mm -hmm. Like they continue to pile on, and like the more we do at those levels, they're going to extend, and those concentric circles are going to expand. Um, and you know, when we talk about advocacy, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one advocacy is super important. And yeah. I'm so glad that we have so many people across the country in all of our JDF chapters, or and, and otherwise, educating people about type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. But getting it at the source and putting it into those places where there's, it can, has an opportunity for a really macro level impact, mm -hmm. uh, I think is gonna just change the way a lot of newly diagnosed experiences, you know, which helps people from day one with, when they're diagnosed and brought into the type one family. Exactly, and if I foreshadow what's coming in the future, you know, just because I th believe it's important to get excited, right? Um, the next buckets in adulthood, if we've got middle adulthood, We've got later adulthood. There are unique and specific needs in each kind of bucket. And so we're starting to explore and learn about those and responding to what the community tells us they want and need. And um, that's what's exciting about this moment in time. It is, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I got to do my talk on the T1D Renaissance this time. And I think it just is really scratching the surface of what's possible from this great group of people. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so that's uh, so Miss America. Yeah, you crushed that. You graduated from college. <laughs> not check that off. Yeah, good. List, it's good for right? us to go back to We're, all the nevers. Yeah, we got to right because they set you up for failure, they right? Did. And yet here we are, right? And so here we are. Everything and, has happened. And you've you've got your dream career. I said yes. I not the words in your mouth, but this is this well. Is you it, know, right? I mean, a lot of people don't. So yeah, I went. I I got my PhD in um, in public health and behavioral so science. There's the smart thing. We got the off, smart right? thing. Um, I had a show on CNBC for five years called D Life. So I worked in journalism. I've worked in newsrooms, and now it's so exciting to bring research knowledge and communication journalistic experiences together at JDRF to serve the community. But I'll tell you, the most important thing I do is I'm mom. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about because <laughs> you check that off the list too. Yeah, I have a I have a fantastic 12-year-old daughter who who is going into 7th grade and uh who is healthy. She does not have type 1 diabetes, although, you know, if she winds up having type 1 diabetes, that's okay. We are going to face it as a team and head on and she knows that nothing can beat her because she's had the beautiful example her entire life of the diabetes community. And I want people to know how powerful that is. So I have, my child, since she was six weeks old, has gone to nearly every event that I've gone to. And the influence that it has had on her is astounding. So from a mother, she writes school essays on diabetes events that she's been to. She's done school projects on diabetes. She now is the student at school that if a um, young person is considering coming to her school with type 1, they have them shadow my daughter because my daughter will take care of them and love on them. I mean, what a gift to a child, right? To teach them to be compassionate and to care. And it, oh gosh, it just brings me to tears because I've worried my, nearly all of my life as a parent that I would be a burden to my child. But what's turning out is that she has learned so much from this community that has adopted her and watched her grow up too, that has made her into this unique, tender, caring, intelligent young girl that who knows what she's going to do as an adult to turn around and give back to others. So for the adults with type 1, give this to your children. Show them diabetes. Don't keep it from them and engage them and let them be a part of the process because they recognize the magic right away and it influences them. Isn't that crazy? It's beautiful. What an awesome gift, right? I know, I know. And, you know, she she talks about this conference because she saw this start with 20 people um, eight years ago. And she's, she uh, wrote a story for her school newspaper um, last year and called it Our Mission Field, you know, and that she helped start this conference. And... I said, yes, yes, you did. Just a right. four, she was a four-year-old founder. You know, it's all good. Just, just yeah. <laughs> Put it on the resume, baby. Yeah, we'll take it. Because uh, she's smart, because her mom was smart. She's smart, too. She's going to go and accomplish all her dreams yeah. with that as well. It's a unique thing that parents with um, adults who are parents with T1D, they go through a unique set of emotions. I mean, there is a profound fear um, that you wrestle with. And a little bit of a sadness that you wrestle with, too, as you think about your child's lived experience watching mommy or daddy struggle and the kinds of things that our children are often required to do to help us. Um, but at the end of the day, the kids are doing great. 
and they are absorbing those lessons and turning it into something magical. That's so that's so great. Um, we are um, we're coming up at, at Student Diabetes Conference. We have like the the big luau party about. I know you hear it in the room. background, by the way. And, yeah. And I really actually like that we're here live. Uh, that's very that's very unique. Usually this is a very like quiet studio call, and I think I like the energy. People around. having fun. Yeah, and, it's good. Yeah. And, it, and it's a real thing. Like this is something that if you know you're in this age group you should do and I think you know now I'm glad that there's going to be opportunity for people to do more across the country yes there are because this could be a long way to come to Florida for some people and now bringing it out um, you're totally right what, what an opportunity in fact we have in our survey asking people you know where where do you want us to go um for us to make a decision to go to a place um, to bring this young adult conference, um, we've got to feel like there's an audience there that yeah. would want to come and participate, right? And so we're thinking about there's there needs to be something on the West Coast, there needs to be something in the middle of the country, and there needs to be something on the East Coast. And um, now it's just a matter of figuring out how to do that. Yeah. Uh, but but we want to hear from folks. You know, what do you want to see happen? Um, because we're in responding mode. And with that, I think, um, you know, for people who maybe don't have a survey, what, and you mentioned this earlier, you're easy to get a hold of. Uh-huh. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out and get in touch with you and your team and kind of get involved in that front? Well, um, people are always um, uh, will, able to email me directly. Uh, I'm at JDRF. So it's in Johnson at JDRF.org. Um, so send me an email. I'm on Facebook. You can find me. I think it's Nicole Johnson Diabetes. I'm on Instagram, um, Nicole.Johnson99, I believe it is. Um, so, you know, uh, send me a note uh, or a messenger or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, I may not get to it right away. But you respond. But I'll I respond. For that. You do respond. Um, <laughs> Rob and I have gone back and forth on Instagram yep, for it is, sure. It's a real thing. <laughs> Uh, but that's the way to, and I value um, people's ideas, suggestions, their input, um, because, you know, you go back to the why. The why is doing things that are meaningful for the community that are going to make a difference in their lives. Uh, and that why, I think we've reinforced I think, twice now, which I love. Um, one thing I do ask every time, uh, every time I have a guest on my podcast, I ask them um, the same question sort of as the wrap-up, so I think it puts a nice bow on things. Um, I'm sure I could think of a dozen different answers that you will probably come up with, but I want, uh, I want to try you on, okay. tries on, the, on the question. Cool. So context is important, as it always is. Um, so the context is you're in an airport. Okay. Uh, and you're about, they're about to close the door to your gate. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, like you can't miss the flight. Like okay. Something's on the other end that's like super important. Yeah. But um, you bump into somebody who has either been recently diagnosed or is struggling with their life with type 1. Oh, um, man. And so you have 30 seconds to tell them one thing. What is it you leave them with? Wow, that is super hard. Yes. You know what? The first thing I do is I put my arms around them and I hug them. And I tell them that I understand, I know it hurts, I know it's hard, but I also know that you can get to the other side and that I believe in them and that I'll walk with them through it. And I always offer people the opportunity to connect with me, interact, or um, let me help them connect with someone that's right for them in their community. Uh, but. Honestly, 
a hug really is probably the most important thing. The other thing that, um, that people like with type one don't hear enough of that I try to always remember to tell people is that they are courageous and that I appreciate that about them because it takes a remarkable spirit to walk through this journey. It does, and I think sometimes on a day-to-day basis, I try to reinforce with people, especially at conferences where I get to interact with people face-to-face and they're more open about, hey, one-on-one conversation, they're open, like, I've been struggling, or my son or daughter has been struggling. Um, celebrating those tiny wins. Um, I remember when we met in San Antonio, uh-huh. a family came up to me and we were talking about those things, and they said, well, you know, sometimes the ambulance gets called, and and that's a big day and I said you know what they don't come every day and uh, days that they don't come you should celebrate that we didn't have to get out of bed with an ambulance waking up yeah um, and I don't know if we're as good at that like I think that's a daily reminder we have to continue to say hey yeah. you know what today was a day that we lived with diabetes and that and we made it all the way through and that's great absolutely you know I, I, I have a friend that um, we often talk about humor is the salve to put on almost oh, yeah. any wound. And uh, she's been through her fair share of 911 calls. And uh, she often says to me, I'm going to write a book about hot firemen in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the number of EMTs that she's woken up to. So. <laughs> uh, you know what they say, tragedy plus time equals comedy. So exactly. I, I love it. So finding a way to laugh, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Nicole, I do want to uh, throw some gratitude your way for having me here uh, at the conference. It's been lovely uh, for taking the time in the middle of this crazy busy day right before this big luau with the grass skirt and the flower. In your I know, head. where there's a uh, monsoon outside, yeah, a monsoon by the way. Outside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, uh, I just appreciate uh, everything that you've done for me and Aww. getting us here and involved. I'm really glad for it and grateful to have the opportunity. Thank you, Rob. You're a rock star. So keep encouraging people please 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 well this is my favorite thing so uh we're gonna keep on doing it uh, and hopefully that'll take us you know a whole lot of places and continue to have these awesome conversations with great uh great stories of people living in uh, with type one so thanks so much i believe in you my friend back at you <laughs>